This is Dale Weiss of the Flyers, and you're listening to Snow the Goalie Podcast. Welcome back to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the people's podcast, the players' podcast, the podcast that procured two current Flyers, Dale Weiss and Mike McKenna, for interviews that, while some on Twitter might say, every uh, player interview, every question, it's all canned, doesn't matter who it is, it's the same thing, can tell you quite honestly that these are two of the best, I think, player interviews that anybody has done in recent memory, and quite frankly... It's not all just hockey. And, and in fact, in one of the interviews, it's barely any hockey at all whatsoever. And if you've been looking to find some positives in what has been a gloom and doom season for your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers, I think you're going to learn a lot about at least two of the guys who play for this team. So I'm Russ Joy at Joy on Broad, joined as always by the fantastic and the blue sweater wearing Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter at AntSanPhilly. Anthony. Hi, Russ. Hi. Thanks, hi, for, hi, thanks for that two-minute introduction. That was great. Well, it was uh, 50, 52 we, seconds. You know, normally we don't do the podcast together. Normally yeah. we are, um, you know, in our respective homes. This is a first. This is a first where we're actually sitting right next to each other, actually doing the podcast, and we are doing it from the Wells Fargo Center. We are uh, recording just before uh, the start of... Um, the uh, Monday game against the Minnesota Wild, um, and it was interesting. It was uh, as we were sitting here uh, before they let the fans into the building. Um, Carter Hart, who was the starting goalie for tonight, Starter Hart was just running laps up the steps, uh, which is kind of a neat thing. I know that's something that they do as like a warm up in junior. So I thought it was kind of you never really see it at the professional level, but to see Card to see Carter Hart, uh, you know, in an empty building running his running the steps is kind of uh, just kind of reminds you how young he is. But now you're right. We have two great interviews. Uh, one that will drop with this um, episode of Snow the Goalie, and another one that we're going to do a special. Normally we only do like one a week, but since we waited. 10 days since our last podcast um uh, we decided to get two in this week we're going to do two separate podcasts this week so we'll have one that will drop uh tuesday morning and then one that will drop thursday morning um we'll get uh we have the dale weiss interview in this episode of stone the goalie and then mike mckenna uh uh in the thursday episode and and the interesting thing is is you know, we had um, uh, been talking uh, about potentially you know, who would be the next player we would get. I and mean, we had some other um, uh, other interviews that we we're still kind of working on. Um, but, uh, you know, we had said, oh, let's, you know, Dale's a pretty good talker. And the few times that he's talked in the locker room, um, let's see if he'd be interested in doing it. And it kind of came together really quickly. Um, Flyers PR guy, Zach Hill, who is by far the greatest PR person in professional sports. And I don't just say that because I know he listens to the show. I say that because he really, truly is. I mean, the guy's won the PR award in the National Hockey League, I think, six times, seven times. Uh, he's that good. Um, if there was a Hall of Fame for PR people, that Zach would be in it. Um, he said to us, yeah, no problem. Got, got Dale Weiss. And while we're in the middle of, or you know, over at Skate Zone to, to do the interview with, with Dale Weiss, which we did um, on Sunday, uh, he says, hey, you guys want to talk to Mike McKenna, too? It was like, sure, sure no problem. Like, we going to say no? Yeah. We're, we we're the players' gonna, podcast. We weren't so going to turn it down. Can't turn down a player. 
And both of these guys gave us a half hour. Like, normally we ask for 10, 15 minutes. Both of these guys gave us a half hour. And I can guarantee you, Russ, if we weren't trying to limit the podcast to, you know, being an hour-long podcast at, at most, I guarantee you both these guys would have stayed on for the entire an entire hour. Yeah, Easy. I, yeah, I mean, That's how good they were. Bill I, Simmons can have a five-part episode with Kevin Durant all he wants. We will gladly take Dale Weiss and Mike McKenna. And, <laughs> and honestly... I think it's one of the, the, the cooler things in this. You know, I think fans as a whole, you know, they hear the name Dale Weiss. And he's been a polarizing player. He's had a very good year, especially for, season, the, for, yeah. for the role that he's been brought in. You know, I think he's actually been a positive. Now, you can say what you want about what that means for the team as a whole if Dale Weiss is one of your team's most important players. But I've been very impressed by his game. And I think he's filling a role that this team has needed in a down season I think he's providing a lot of veteran leadership. In fact, um, he talks un, about un, unsolicited yeah. in this interview, he does bring up his relationship with Nolan Patrick, and I think that's one of the one of the interesting hockey elements yeah. to the interview that we do with him. But there's a lot of stuff that that happens away from the game of hockey. There are some really good stories. If you listen to the uh, the interview that we did over the summer with uh, Jordan Wheel, where he told the story of uh, the Calder Cup Finals. And a, uh, a man drinking a beer out of his prosthetic leg, and thought, "Man, that's uh, that's pretty raucous." We got we got a couple stories I think here from uh, Dale Weiss and Mike McKenna that maybe don't go to quite that extreme, but uh, definitely some cool stories definitely. from definitely. from their careers. Yeah. So, so we'll we'll let I think the I think it's best let's let the fans listen to the interview or listeners listen to the interview, um, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about it because I, I definitely want to talk about some of the things that he says um, in this interview, including what he talked about Nolan Patrick. Um, but there's even a few other things that, that Dale says in this interview that are really kind of interesting um, and worth, I, I think, further discussion and further conversation. So um, and without further ado, I think we should just get to Dale, and then uh, we'll talk to you guys again in about a half hour. And we'd like to welcome Russ into the Snow the Goalie podcast, our latest guest from the Philadelphia Flyers. Joining us is forward Dale Weiss. Uh, the, you know, we've had some great guests so far this season, and we've been wanting to get Dale on, and we've reached out uh, to the PR people, and Dale is, uh, you know, gracious enough to join us. We want to thank you, Dale, for, for hopping on the show. Uh, we, fa- we find, like, we come down to the games, and we talk to the guys, and we're like, all right, who's going to be a good interview? Who's going to be a fun person to talk to? And all season long, Russ has said, no, we should get Dale. We should get Dale. He'd be, he'd be really good. <laughs> like, we really get a sense that, like, you'd be a, you'll be a fun person for the, for the fans to listen to. So thanks for joining us here on the show. Happy to be here, guys. I appreciate the, the kind words. Yeah, that's good. That's cool. So I, I, I wanted to, we want to talk about the season. We know, like, I mean, you said after, I don't know, was it the game last week or something? You Calgary? Had, I think it was the it was, it might have been the Calgary game yeah. when you said that uh, it's, like, the craziest season you've, you've ever seen. Really, when you look, sit back and think about it, if you're, I mean, obviously you're going to get a break next week, you know, with the, with the bye week. What has it really been like? I mean, how how can you kind of put this whole whirlwind of a season into into words if you had to try and tell somebody? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know what? We come in with such um, enthusiasm for the year. I think we were expecting big things as a team. Um, I know when we left last season, we had kind of had a sour taste in our mouth after losing the first round. We weren't satisfied with that. Um, you know, we thought that was kind of a, uh, a starting block for, for good things here for a couple of years. And, um, you know, I thought we had a good training camp. And, and it's, it, you know, obviously we get off to a tough start. Um, we get some injuries with our goaltenders. Uh, we lose a couple games, you know, where we probably should have. And then it starts to slide on us. And then, um, 
you know, the GM gets fired and then the coach gets fired and then you have a new coach coming in and, and it's just been uh, a whirlwind. Like you said, it's really hard to describe. Um, I've never been through uh, a coach being fired in season and I've definitely never been through a GM being fired in the season. So right. it, it's just wild, um, you know, so many new voices and uh, it, it's, it's, it's been extremely tough. <laughs> well, one of the things, one of the things that's interesting is, you know, I, I've been around this team 20 years. This is the, one of the closest Nick groups that you see in the locker room. I mean, you guys really genuinely seem to like one another. And, but that, that's usually when you have that, that translates to on-ice success. And it's, for some reason, it's just not here. Can you talk about how the guys are really finding a way to stay together through all this? I mean, even though it's been such a frustrating and disappointing first 45 games this year? Yeah, you know what? In the two and a half years that I've been here, um, I've seen some extreme highs and some extreme lows. It's, it's the streakiest team I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, you know, this team can win eight in a row and, and they can lose 10 in a row as we've done. Um, you just never know. I think uh, consistency has obviously been a problem for us since I've been here. But, um, you know, to speak on how tight our team is, it's a very, very close team. Yeah. Um, you know, de definitely. I think everybody says that they're on a close team. Um, I don't know if anyone will give you an honest answer. Right. If maybe, you know, if they don't like certain guys. or <laughs> sure. I don't know if they tell you the truth anyways. But, uh, you know, like you said, normally it translates on, on a success. But, um you know, like I said, there's just been so many things going on this year. It's just been wild with, uh, you know, the GM getting fired, coaches, and, and I, I honestly have never played on so many different line combinations in 40 games in my life. It just seems every period we, we, we have different lines, and, and, you know, we're trying to find something that clicks, and uh, right. it's, it's, it's been wild. <laughs> well, it's, it's an interesting thing for you. I mean, you kind of came into this season not really certain of what your role was going to be, or even if you still had a role with this team. I mean, last year wasn't the greatest year. But then since you got in, I think it was like the fourth or fifth game of the season. Well, it was early in the year. You've pretty much been a, a regular and have been having a really solid season. Can, can you talk about what it was like for you back at the beginning and, and then how you were able to kind of get through that and to really kind of put together the season that you've been putting together so far? Yeah, to touch on that, um, obviously the, the start of the year was tough for me career-wise when you get put on waivers. Um, yeah. you know, I haven't been put on waivers since uh, I, I started in the league you know, nine years ago. So uh, that was different for me. I thought I, I had a really, really good summer. Uh, I trained extremely hard. I'm in the best possible shape that I could be in. I came in and had a great training camp. I scored some goals. Um, and, and still couldn't find a spot in the lineup for whatever reason that was. But um, I, my whole career, i kind of been fighting the odds. Uh, you know, people said I'd never make the NHL. People said I'd never stay in the NHL. Every five games, I hear the same thing. I'm never going to stay in the NHL. So uh, I just feel like I'm a really mentally strong person, and, uh, and I can kind of fight through things like that. So um, worked my way in, and, and I'm happy with where my game's at this year. Um, obviously, with Gordo coming in, I think my role has kind of diminished a little more, uh, a little less. Uh, so it's, it's been tough the last couple games, but um, you know what? To say that I'm happy with my game right now is an honest statement. I, I'm happy with what I'm bringing, and uh, you know, even if it's limited minutes, I'm trying to do the best that I can. Players typically say that they stay off social media. They don't actually read what anybody writes. They don't look at the comments. They don't look at tweets, Instagram. And I never believe them, to be honest. Uh, on, on your side of things, do you ever get your, yourself in a situation like – it's human to want to look and see what people say, right? Like, I'm not asking necessarily I think how, many, how many hours. No, you, you know spend what? I, I, I mean, social media. I right? don't like, even have Twitter hooked up to my phone. My agency runs my Twitter. I don't have Instagram. I'm probably one of the honest guys that can tell you that I don't look at that stuff. The other 99% they're telling you not are lying to you. Uh, <laughs> I see guys looking at it all the time. I'm sitting on the bus, they're scrolling their, their feeds or Instagram, stuff like that. I honestly don't read it myself. Um, I honestly, it is, it is human, but it, it does nothing for you. Um, you know, the fact that Joe Schmo is telling you that you suck on Twitter, 
that's not helping you. That doesn't help your game. Um, I think that's what people miss from, from on the athlete side of things is the personal side. We're human beings. Um, you know, it's a job for us at the end of the day. And, and uh, when you're sitting there and you're reading about how much you suck and how much this guy thinks you suck and, you know, all the computer GMs that are trading you and stuff like that, it's just it's hard to get in a good mental space and be positive when so many people are, are, are putting you down like that. I think um, for me, the first couple of years that I was here, um, obviously a pretty big target for the media to, you know, kind of kind of shoot on me, obviously having a four-year deal and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I, I could hear the noise around me. I'm, I'm not sitting there reading articles on my phone, but, you know, press are coming up to me and saying, this guy said this about you, this guy said this, or this is what I think and stuff like that, obviously. Um, I honestly don't think it does anyone good to read any, but um, from a human standpoint, people like car crashes. <laughs> he's right. I mean, you know, he's absolutely like, right. They are. Do you think that on a team that has so much youth, and like to me, in my first year looking at this team um, up close versus you know from from a distance from the fan perspective, typically, right? It seems like within the locker room, there's kind of that that set of the core, the younger guys. There's like a transitional group, and then there's guys like you that are, uh, you know, I I perceive as a leader on the team, as somebody who's you know very vocal and and very forthright in answers after the game which we quite frankly don't get from a lot of guys. And I would even say that to an extent, because I'm closer in age to, I think, a lot of the younger guys, it feels like so many of them are coached on how to not give an answer, mm-hmm. right? A hundred percent. And and I kind of think of, you know, the mental status uh, or status of, of the, the core-ish guys, the vets on the team, the younger guys, and then the social media aspect and, and letting people get in your head. And we always talk about confidence. Confidence seems to be like the number one term this season. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there are guys on the team, not asking who, but like are there guys on the team who maybe are letting the fans and, and media get in their heads maybe more than they should? Uh, I think absolutely. I, I think that's just part of sports. Like you said, confidence is number one. Um, you know, I take a guy who, who I, I, I am – very, very fond of Nolan Patrick, where you saw two sides of him last year where, you know, he was coming into the league, obviously you knew there were going to be some struggles, um, wasn't getting a big opportunity in the first half of last year, and then you could just see every game his confidence was growing in the second half. He gets on a line with Jakey, he really starts to put up some points, and you can see, you could visibly see it when he walks around, he's confident, you know, he's strutting around, and you can see um, as a guy that's you know, not putting up the points he would like this year, Patty. Again, you, you could see the confidence in his game just not quite there. And then, you know, you see the other night in Dallas where he makes a nice rush down the wing, little juke, scoring chance. And, and I thought he played really well yesterday. And um, I, I don't know if if that's the outside noise getting to him. I think that's it's a little bit of pressure when you when you talk about a second overall pick like him. Um, you know, he, he puts an extreme amount of pressure on him. I trained with him all summer. He, the guy put in hours and hours of work he had no summer he just worked and worked and worked and, and expected big things and um, didn't have the results early I, I think he's playing good hockey right now and, and results are going to come for him but um, uh, as for the the thing that bothers me about hockey this is something I, I, I've said it a hundred times is guys don't give honest opinions enough we're trying to grow the sport you watch basketball people are entertained by their interviews mm-hmm. they're giving you ridiculous answers they're telling you crazy things but it's entertaining Hockey doesn't have that entertainment standpoint where people make fun of hockey interviews. They say, hey, and uh, 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 and you watch all the memes or whatever in YouTube, and people just make fun of hockey players for interviews and make guys look like idiots. But there's actually very intelligent guys that are just afraid to say an answer. And um, I think it's kind of a, 
an old school mentality in hockey where you don't really want to give a real answer. You give the cliche and, and it's just boring to me. I think if we just had an honest answer, you know, I, I think it's easier to get to the point and then try to sugarcoat around an answer and say, well, yeah, you know, we uh, played really good for 60 minutes and uh, deserved a better fate. You know, like you hear it. Yeah. I watched the YouTube clip and it's the exact same stuff from guys around the league. It's just boring. And I, I, I don't know if it's a, the new age coming in that's just being coached. I, obviously, people are coached all the time on social media and around the NHL and stuff like that. But I, I just wish guys would give a little more candid interviews and, and just be a little more entertaining, show a little more personality. And, and I think that's uh, you know where fans can kind of get behind some guys, where you, you can see a little personality from somebody. I was going to ask you about your relationship with Patty because, I mean, you're both Winnipeg guys, right? Um, do you kind of look at it as – you know, since you've been around for so long in this league and he's only in his second year, almost like a, a mentor kind of thing with him and trying to, to help him get that confidence back to be the kind of player that he can be? For sure, for sure. Um, I, I know I, I didn't know any much. I knew about him being from Winnipeg before last year, but I didn't meet him until we got here. And, um, I mean, he's probably one of my best friends on the team now. Um, I'm not trying to mentor him on how to toe drag guys and, and stuff like that. I, I just try to keep him positive. And for a young guy coming in and, and all the pressure that he's in, it's tough. So, um I just try to get him to relax and have some fun once in a while and, and loosen up and, and just know that things are going to work out. And, and uh, you know, in five years, he's going to sit back. He's going to laugh about, you know, the struggles that he had now because he's going to be a, a tremendous player in the league. Um, it's only a matter of time. You, with him and, and with a lot of young guys, confidence can sway so quickly, and I think that's something that comes with experience. Yeah, and where, it's, it's the human element too, right? I mean, sure. I mean, he's 20 years old coming into the league or 19 last year. Exactly. He came in, and you're on your own for the first time. It's tough. There's so many factors, like I yeah. said, the human side that, that people don't really see. You see the hockey side, okay, you know, a guy's struggling, but you don't know what's going on in his life. You right. don't know what's happening at home. You, you, just, you just don't know on, on the human side of things, which, which uh, can affect a lot of guys. I wanted to look back. A lot of people probably don't realize your very first game in the NHL was against the Flyers. Do you remember your first? Uh, game? It was so it yeah, was so I eventful. Like yesterday. Oh, I mean, yeah. you, you almost scored two goals. I think you had one called back. Yeah, you got should have been a goal. You, <laughs> you got a fight. Yeah, I mean, can you just talk? It was with the Wells Fargo Center, right? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I got called up uh, after practice the day before. Uh, well, I was getting ready to get on a bus, and the coach said, "Wow, you're going up. You're, you're going to play tomorrow." And I was pumped, and it was an afternoon game. Uh, I think it was a Saturday, a Saturday afternoon game, like we play all the time yeah. now, and uh, so it's kind of awesome. I didn't have the whole day to sit there and. and stress about it where you you know you got a morning skate and you're thinking about it and you can't nap and stuff like that I kind of just got to wake up eat breakfast go right to the rink and uh it, it was really eventful um like I said I kicked the one in which which I, I honestly I would tell you now it's nine years later or yeah. whatever it was I didn't kick it it should have been a goal <laughs> that was anybody else it's probably a goal um and then I hit the post and then uh got in a fight with Carcillo which was you know pretty cool as a guy um you know, I watched him for the couple of years before. He's a good, great energy guy and, and kind of, you know, I, I liked the role that he was in and was, uh, you know, good enough to give me a fight in my first game and uh, got on Don Cherry back home, which is pretty cool. A little <laughs> shout out from him. Obviously, growing up as a Canadian, uh, yeah. that's huge. I think every kid dreams of that. So that was, uh, that was a pretty cool day. That was, that was, it was, I just remember being up in the press box like, who is this guy? Yeah. Right? Because like you were really, you really, I think you took like 11 shifts in the game. Yeah, it wasn't and very much. Every one of them were pretty memorable. I had something going on. <laughs> made the most of your opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. One of the uh, the things that I, I think Anthony and I have been entertained by, so when we, we do our podcast, but then we do a, a show up in, in Press Row before the game, first second intermission, and we get to go back and forth a lot with fans. And the thing that has absolutely tagged you for the entire year are 
some super fans who refer to you lovingly as Dutch Gretzky. <laughs> <laughs> and so I wanted, I wanted yeah. to ask about your time playing abroad mm-hmm. and, and what that experience was, was like. And does anybody in your life ever refer to you as Dutch Gretzky? Uh, These are the things that people really want. Yeah, I know. So the, the name actually came, uh, it was kind of the Vancouver media was making a joke of me. So I'm kind of not a big fan of it. Seriously? Oh, really? Yeah. Now I feel bad. Don't feel bad. No, Nobody feel knows terrible. that. Nobody really knows that. I've told really? it a few times, but it hasn't really gotten around. People keep using it. Fans think it's funny. It's fine. I don't. I don't mind it. If yeah. some. If someone. They're using it as a positive term. Yeah. But it started as a negative. Really? Yeah. I, I didn't it was, know that either. It was really kind of a derogatory. Well, gee, I'm just gonna me- go. I feel <laughs> no, no. Honestly, <laughs> don't feel bad about it at all. I, I've. I've heard way worse. Believe me. <laughs> In the last week, I've heard way worse. Um, yeah. So it, it was an amazing experience. Um, I was sitting at home. Uh, I went to Vancouver for about a month. I was there. I only played in the NHL for one year before. Uh, Vancouver is an extremely expensive city to live in. I was like, well, I'm not going to stay here all year if we're not going to play. Like, so I went back home to Winnipeg. I was sitting there. I was at my lake. Uh, my wife at the time was my girlfriend. And we're sitting there like, wow, this could be pretty cool. Like, maybe we should go to Europe. Let's have some fun. I called up my agent. And I was like, uh, this was middle of October. I said, hey, anywhere you, you can find, I'm ready to go this weekend. Let's find something. You call me back like, Maybe half an hour later, it's like there's a team just outside of Amsterdam, and I was like, "Well, that's interesting. Uh, <laughs> I've never been, there. I've never been anywhere in Europe." Uh, so I was like, "Yeah, okay, let's do it." So I went there. Um, amazing people, amazing people. The, the, the team was was awesome. Uh, the guys on the team were so much fun. I ended up staying for three, almost three months. I was there the whole time, and it was awesome. My 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 now wife was with me. Uh, we had a great time. It, it was, I mean, the hockey. Probably wasn't the greatest, but you get a chance to play. It was fun. You can enjoy it. There was no pressure. Right. It was just an awesome experience. Um, I, I would. I mean, I got two kids on the way, and I have two. I don't know if I'd take the whole family over there again, <laughs> but uh, if I had a chance, I, I think I'd probably do it again. It I, think awesome. the, I think those people in, in the Netherlands, we even had people check in, swear to you, on Twitter today, a guy from the Netherlands, yeah. asking me to ask you, do you about the um, current state of Dutch hockey compared to the other Scandin- you know, the other Scandinavian countries, like almost yeah. as if like you're continually following it. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could I'm give sure an answer not, to that. Right? I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I, I think I was such a big hit there because I was the only NHL player to ever play there. Right. And I, I don't know if they'll ever get one again. Right. Um, but I honestly can't say enough good things about the people there. I had such a good time. It was so cool. Uh, you play on Friday nights, and they had a bar in the rink. Like, it, it was huge. And you just go up and start partying with the fans after the game. It was amazing. Our team, we won every game, too. Our team was awesome. Uh, it was just so much fun, man. I had probably one of the best times I've had playing hockey in my life over there. Well, that's, it, was, it leads us to the question that we ask everybody. Oh, yeah. About the, your favorite arena to play in. And that might, maybe that might be the answer for you. But <laughs> we're going we're gonna to disqualify Wells Fargo yeah. Center so you don't have to pander to the, the yeah. home, home fans. But your favorite arena that you've ever played in, it, it doesn't have to be at the NHL level. It could be abroad. It could be ECHL time. Mm-hmm. What was your your favorite arena to have ever played in? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, it might have been in Swift Current, my junior rink. I uh, I played three years there. Uh, again, I had great times. I have some of my best friends in my life. I still talk to from there. Uh, that that might be it. I grew up a lot there. I got drafted out of there. I think that's uh, that's definitely probably my, that's my favorite. Yeah, for sure. We we had um, 
was it Jordan Wheel who told us the story? Oh my God, yeah. About yeah. the guy, he said, we were saying something, something crazy you've seen in, in a minor league barn. And he said that there was a guy who had a prosthetic leg drinking a beer out of the prosthetic leg. In after, the Calder Cup Finals. In the Calder Cup, Cup, Cup Finals up in, <laughs> up, in, up in New York. So uh, I was just wondering if you had any kind of crazy stories wow. that you can remember. Um, That's a hard one to. Yeah, I, don't know, I don't know if I can top that. One of my, <laughs> one of my favorite stories was uh, when Sean Avery was down in the minors. Um, we were in Wilkesbury, and this guy was giving it to him behind the bench all game long for three periods, screaming at him, saying some ruthless stuff that I won't repeat, but he was just on him and on him and on him. And Sean took it. He took it the whole game, and he took it. He didn't say anything back to him, which I was sitting there. I was like, this guy's going to lose it. Like, yeah, I've, I've seen him in the NHL. I played with him in the NHL, and then he was pretty tame. And then he goes to hand him his stick at the end of the game, and the fan was all pumped. The guy that was chirping him all game, he's like, oh, yeah, 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 I'll take it, I'll take it. <laughs> so he goes to hand it to him, and the guy reaches, and he pulls it back from him, and the guy almost falls over the chair. <laughs> it was so funny. It was unbelievable. You had to be there to see it. The guy was just giving it to him. And then when Sean offered him his stick like this, he was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Boom, ripped it right out of his hands. It was amazing. That yeah, was, was like the anti-Crosby. It was like right? it was the, yeah, it was the yeah. complete opposite yeah, yeah. of what yeah. Crosby did. Yeah, that was it was oh, it was that was one of the funniest things I've seen. That's pretty cool. That's pretty I'm cool. I'm just still trying to get over the idea that there was a bar next to a rink. Well, it was upstairs. It was amazing. I'm telling you, it was awesome. Like, and everybody would be in there after. The whole team would come up, and it was just, I mean, it's just something you would never see in the NHL. You know, I, for security reasons and a lot of other things, yeah. but it was just. <laughs> it was awesome. I had the best time there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you got any? You got any more? Or? Well, I, I I don't know. I could go all day. I've I, got a million questions. Yeah. <laughs> Fire them off. Go ahead. When, you, when you're through. playing abroad, like language barrier is really not much of a of a thing in demo. I mean, most. I think it's like seventy five percent of of students at that point when you're it's first grade. I think you get to pick a language. I know these things. Uh, <laughs> most of them take English. So. Was there much of a language barrier? And, and in that league, was your locker room really a, a hodgepodge of, of foreign players, or was it mostly guys that were, you, you know? Yeah, it was. It was so, so this team was, was – it's been the best team for every year. They pretty much win every year. They have the most money. So that team has probably the, the best Dutch players on it. Okay. So it's kind of like a Dutch all-star team within the league. So uh, there wasn't – how many imports would there have been? Uh, there might have been maybe th- – Three or four imports. There wasn't that many. A lot of Dutch guys, um, and it was it was. Uh, they're pretty good imports that come there. I, yeah. I think that if, if they're going to come to that league, uh, the best imports would, would go to that team. Yeah. Obviously, having the, the most money and they have the best arena and the bar after was great. <laughs> um, we, we do get we do get some fun questions from fans. Oh, sorry. Let me go back. Sorry. Oh, so the language thing. Sorry. Oh. Um, uh, everybody spoke pretty good English on the team, so the, the hockey standpoint was great. Coaches spoke English, everything was in English. Um, but then the city, like trying to get around in a cab, trying to go anywhere, order anything, there's not a lick of English. So it yeah. was tough. Yeah. It was very, very tough. You couldn't go to McDonald's. I could just point and be like, <laughs> and be, I don't know what you're doing. And, but it was, it was the team, the team yeah. which I spent most of the time around, was all English, which is okay. good. Um, Fans, sometimes we ask them, we say, oh, we're going to have an interview with you, and so, okay, we ask some, some fun questions. This is one of the, we get some crazy ones, and so I figured I'd Perfect. throw this one. This is kind of a fun one. Mm-hmm. If you drink two five-hour energies, do you have 10 hours of energy or double the energy for five hours? Uh, <laughs> sometimes I drink two before games. And <laughs> do you really? Yeah, and it wears out by the end of the second period. So I, <laughs> I don't know if that answers the question, but I think you can get two and a half good energy out of as many as you drink. I think if you compound them, it doesn't work the same. Do you actually like them? I can't. I think that flavor is awful. Yeah, I don't really like them. It's, it's just for the It's just to try to wake up. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just made him take his five-hour energy sponsorship that he could have had at some point. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Anthony. That's great. 
<laughs> Could have blew that one up. That's all right. Um, <laughs> here's another one. This is kind of interesting. You know, every time you guys are on national, the national broadcast, Doc Emmerich always refers to you as the rugged Dale Weiss. The do you, rugged. Do you, do you like like that kind of a um, perception of that's the way you play the game? Um, because I mean, you know, obviously, when you first got here, the con- I think that the, the the thought was that you would be more of a a little bit more of an offensive guy than than the rugged guy. But I think over the course of the past couple of seasons, you've kind of taken a different role. So do you do you mind that imp- impression that people uh, have of you? I don't mind if you say rugged or hard nose. Uh, yeah. What I have a problem is when people use fourth line. That that's the thing that gets me too. That's okay. another one that really pisses me off. Um, it is the game has changed so much. There are so many good fourth lines. There are so many good players on the fourth line. Yeah, it is just looked upon still. What bothers me when I'm sitting there watching games sometimes, where a guy goes, uh, "Here's fourth liner, whoever it is," you know. Well, you're not going to sit there and say, "Well, here's first line center Anze Kopitar coming down the wing," you know. Like, yeah, it's just the fourth line is it's such an old school mentality. It's there's a lot of old school mentality to the game of hockey, which bothers me. Um, you know, from being around so long, not not a lot of people admit it or say it, but um, I, I think that the, the way that the fourth line is looked at in hockey is um, it's starting to fade out, obviously, but it's still a shame the the old school people that talk about it that way. Um, rugged, hard nosed, hard working. Right? I don't mind that at all, but I, I have a real problem when you're calling a game and you say fourth line this or or that. That's to me, it, it bothers me. Well, when you when you sit there and you say that, that you, a lot of the old school that you don't like. Well, let me ask you this then: as far as new school, are are you an analytics guy? Do you uh, do you buy into a lot of what's out there, or is it just a lot of I think a lot of noise by yeah, people who don't, I don't really know? The I game? don't really pay attention to it, um, but I think it's a good stat because it keeps people entertained. I'm all for growing the game and entertainment. If that's what yeah. entertains you and you're going to watch a game because this guy shoots the puck 37% of the time down the right side, then hey, so be it. You're watching the game, and yeah. and, and that's all that matters to me. I personally. I really don't buy too much into it, and, and from a hockey standpoint, we don't use it at all. So, I, I think, yeah, it is what it is. You know. That's now. I, I guess going kind of back again to like the the youth side to the younger guys in the locker room. You're not the first guy to say that the analytics, you know, side of things doesn't really weigh in on on how you play. Yeah. Do you think that there are guys in the locker room who, if they're stalling out, if they're not getting the point production they're looking for, that are really grasping at straws, and they've tried everything else? Is there anybody in the locker room that, that you know of? I'm not asking for the name specifically, but like, <laughs> is there is there anybody in the locker room who maybe has tried to go that route as a way to try to improve their game or to try to crack the code? I'm sure we have a couple of outside of the box guys in our locker room that that have done it without telling anybody. Um, whether that's looking at a stat for where they scored their last few goals or where they're getting their scoring chances from. I mean, a lot of it is is common sense to me. I mean, I don't I don't look like I said I don't know that much about it to really give you an in depth answer on it. But I mean, you look at your scoring chances and it's a big triangle around the net. It's like these are where you score. These are your prime chances. This is where you score from. It's like well, yeah, no no shit, right? Like <laughs> you're gonna score from there. But uh, I, I I'm sure there's a couple guys that have definitely uh, definitely done it on their own time. The the difference between Hack and Gordo, especially in in the early games of Gordon taking over, the majority of the shots from your team came from a very different area. Hack, at least, in the, the beginning part of this season. A lot of shots were coming from the point. And the high-danger area shots that people would expect and most successful teams are getting a lot of their scoring chances and goals from, they weren't coming for this team. And I don't know if that maybe that was a big part of why the team struggled early on, but it seemed like even towards the end of Hack's time and now since Gordon's been at the helm, it seems like the scoring chances and scoring opportunities have shifted closer to the net, less from from the blue line. 
has that been a point of emphasis? Because fans a lot of times have been asking, like, what is Gordon emphasizing that Hackstall might not have? Is that one of the things? Or, or has there been a I, real shift in philosophy? Or is it just you guys trying to find answers since you weren't getting them before with, with an older... Yeah, I, I think it's it's just more of a coincidence, to be honest with you. Our, our, our system hasn't changed that much that it would dramatically up the chances that are that are a little more in, inside the scoring zones. Um, that's a that's a really good question. Um, I think, you know, offensively guys aren't having as, as good a years as they've had, and I think they're just trying to get to hard areas a little more. And um, you know, instead of take, making that extra pass, trying to shoot shoot the puck a little more and trying to not be so pretty. Um, I think Hack emphasized trying to get you know pucks and bodies in there as much as possible, and, and I think Gordo kind of emphasizes the same thing. Um, I don't know; it's so hard to say. Um, we had a lot of guys that I, I felt like had so many chances early in the year, like, you know, Jakey and, and Simmer could have 20 goals in the first 10 games. You know, there's just guys that had so many chances. And you see it now, we're hitting posts, at, you know, three, four times a game. We're just not scoring um, for whatever reason. I, I don't know what it is. And, um, you know, it's, it's pushed us in a tough spot. It's almost, I don't want to say it's... You know, it's almost too late, but we're 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 in an extremely tough spot. I know. I know our questions have been a little bit all over the place, some from hockey to non-hockey and everything. And, and you've already given us seven more minutes than we asked, so we really appreciate it. I have one more that I wanted to yeah, no kind of get into. No um, it has nothing to do with hockey. We, uh, <laughs> that I keep asking everybody is, do you have anything that like? Um, are you a Netflix guy? Like, do you have any shows that you like to that you like to check in on or, or stream or, or watch with any kind of regularity? Or? Um, probably Power. Power is the, is the show that I watch uh, religiously. If it comes out, boom, I get it and I watch it. Other than that, I'm on Netflix a lot. I watch a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, I watched that Bird Box one last Did week. Did you like it? Um, I liked it until the end. Everybody says the same thing. I, I thought it was great and it's so suspenseful and I thought it was awesome and it's something different, you know? Yeah. I think that's why everyone liked it and... It got to the end, and I was like, come on. That's <laughs> everybody like, saying, really? I know, we don't have to say because Russ hasn't watched it yet. Yeah, I don't want to ruin it for you. And it wouldn't even, it wouldn't, just saying that, it wouldn't ruin it for you because you'll be into it the whole movie. You're like, wow, like, it, it's great. Yeah. And it's a really cool aspect. You know, someone, I, I have two kids. Like, yeah. you're thinking about the stuff that goes on, and, yeah. and you know, it comes down to someone's got to open their eyes, and it's like, holy jeez, how do you make that decision? And, yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, Bad Blood, is that on American Netflix or Canadian? I haven't seen it. Have know. you heard of it? It's about a uh, kind of a mob family in Montreal, oh, which okay. kind of was was cool for me because I knew this background story and yeah. being there. And, and oh, so it's a true story. True story. Oh wow! True story. I love the Rizzuto Riz- Riz- crime stories. family in Montreal. It's unbelievable. Oh, I love There's, true uh, stories. Yeah. Six episodes. Okay, it's amazing. I, yeah, I hope they come out. That's a really really good one. Okay, it's cool. I lived in Montreal. I see all the sites and stuff that they use, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that one was pretty good. I'm trying to think of. I'm kind of all over the map. I watch all kinds so of stuff. So you like that true crime stuff. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah, there's a few good ones on Netflix yeah. currently. So you should, uh, I guess there was, uh, well, they did The Staircase. Did you see that one? Yes, the I did see that. The Staircase was good, yeah. right? And then uh, uh, the one that's out now is about the former baseball player in Oklahoma who was uh, the Innocent Man. Uh, innocent man. I've, I've seen the title, but I never yeah, watched it. Yeah, it's all about. He was a baseball player for the Yankee in the Yankee system who was accused of murder and locked up, and then was oh found to be innocent. Yeah, it's a it's a no great way. Bit. Yeah, that's a good one too. Oh, so I gotta check, watch, check I gotta that, watch that, that one. Recommendation then. section. Yeah. Of the, I know. Uh, there we go. Yeah, I gotta watch that one. Good then. stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> well, Dale, we really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you so very no much problem. for coming on the Snow the Goalie podcast. Really, really appreciate your time. Perfect. Thanks, guys. That, ladies and gentlemen, was our exclusive face-to-face, one-on-one, two-on-one interview with Flyers forward Dale Weiss and. Look, I, I think I said to Anthony very early in the season, uh, it was a game back in November 
when Dale was made available to the media for the first time. And I said, man, this guy, he gave eight and a half minutes to the media. And I think a lot of times people don't realize how long these guys talk to the media in right. scrums. Um, I know that as a fan, when I would watch, I would think that the three-ish minutes that I would see on TV was the long and short of, of everything. It was all encompassing, and it's not. I mean, in a lot of cases, some of these guys, not all of them, but some of them will stay. And as PR kind of pushes you to go to the next guy, some of these guys do stay behind, and they will answer your questions for, and like I said, we, I think, stayed eight minutes. And I, I remember saying to you, this guy was honest, he was forthright, and it was something that early on in my time covering this team I thought was refreshing, to say the least. And I, I felt really bad about the Dutch Gretzky thing because I thought <laughs> that that was going to be you know a moment that he was going to kind of light up. And, and I felt awful that it was essentially like a a bullying thing by the Vancouver media. Not, yeah. to, not that I'm, you know, we're not trying to drum up sympathy here for a professional athlete, but I felt kind of bad about it. It, it was not the way that I expected it to go over. You yeah. Know? So there's so much to unpack just from that little grouping of, of comments that you just made. First of all, the fact that he is a refreshing interview and, and is honest and forthright with you. And he talks about it saying that he hates the fact that hockey players in general are very by the book, very cliche, very, trained on what to say and he doesn't think it does the game any good and he yeah. doesn't think it does the locker room any good he says you'd be better off just being open and honest and, and forthright with people it would make you feel more comfortable talking about what's going on with the team and, and, and responding you know in a lot of ways to what's going on with the team so that that's great to hear you know and, and I think once the beat writers hear this <laughs> Hear this interview that we did with Dale. They're going to put they're going to put him on the uh, request sheet for every every game. Dale Weiss is going to become the new spokesperson know, for this right? team over it's the next like forty bad, some games. I mean, it's not a bad thing. Look, I, I think one of the nice things about this show is we try to pull back the curtain a little bit. Yeah. So to give people an idea, when you say the request list, yes, I don't know if you want to explain. So explain. basically, basically what happens um, for every game, even for home, even on the road. Um, uh, what will happen is, is one of the PR people will come up to the beat writers. Uh, it's it's more there's more guys to ask, obviously, um, here at home games um, than it would be if you're on the road. Obviously, there's only you know a, a two to three, maybe four guys who travel. Um, but you know they'll come around and they'll ask you who you would like to be on the list for post game interviews. And nine times out of ten, it's whoever scores a goal, the starting goalie, the captain. And, you know, if somebody makes a noteworthy play in a game or something happens and that person's put on the list. So that's why, you know, most of the time when you see interviews post-game, you're getting Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, Jake Voracek, Wayne Simmons. I mean, you're getting, you know, and then the goalie, you know, Carter Hart now, but whoever the starting goalie was, and then the coach. And that's usually who you get. So it's usually, you know, the guys further down in the lineup, you don't, you don't normally get them post-game locker room unless, you know, a special request is asked for, whatever the case might be. And sometimes you find out that those guys maybe will give you more information and tell you more about the team and the way they're playing than, you're, than, the, the, yeah. the, than the go-to, you know, regular guys are. I, so. I would say to this point this year, the only guy who I, – I think as a fan, a lot of times you want to hear from the leadership. You want to hear sure. from the captain, the assistant captains. Um, I think Jake Voracek might be – the best of that group yeah. in terms of somebody who's going to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and give you some real nuance to their answers. Um, 
there are certain guys like I, I would say Nolan Patrick hasn't been available to the media a lot when he is doesn't really say a lot and right. I think that's kind of the coaching point that's part of what I brought up to Dale in this interview is not specifically Nolan Patrick himself I'm not saying no, you were saying out, you but, said young guys but, in general but young guys in general yeah. seem to kind of have a certain coaching that's that's been done now you'll have a guy like Shane Gossespierre who I think sometimes is almost too honest I, I enjoy it. Yeah, I'm sure the, the fans appreciate it. He doesn't fit that mold necessarily. I look at a guy like Ivan Provorov, who I think does a really good job at giving a measured response. Doesn't go too far one way or the other. Um, but sometimes I think you know the fans want to hear from Claude Giroux every game. And quite honestly, in, in the times that we've been down there together, I think a lot of times win, lose, or draw, well, overtime loss, Claude's answers are almost always the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if we took his audio and took it away from whatever game has happened and you reinserted it following a different result, I think you'd get just about the same thing. And honestly, I mean, let, you know, if, if we're being real here, I think Dave Haxtell, a lot of his press conferences were very similar. It, you know, and, and you don't really get a ton, which is why I think, you know, as a fan, you want to hear from star players, but I think you do get a much more honest reflection of what's happening and an, and an honest take on what's happening from guys who are farther down on the sheet who, quite honestly, don't get a lot of face time with the media. Right. And I, I think that's what made Dale such an, an attractive guest to have on the show. Yeah, yeah. And as, I mean, as you guys can tell, I mean, he was, he was blunt and honest. I mean, he talked about, you know, guys spending too much time on their scrolling through their Twitter feeds, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. that kind of hints to him. You go back, it was early in the season, I forget what game it was, but when Hackstall was saying that he's told the players to not worry about what's going on on the other side of the glass. Yep. I think that that's part of it. I mean, that's got to be part of the discussion, that it was, you know, that there may be that they're too concerned by what's being said to said to them on social media by fans or what they're reading in the papers or online or whatever on the blogs. And, and so, so I think that that's a real interesting thing to hear Dale Weiss say, yeah, they're, you know, you know, the other 99% of the guys in the locker room besides himself um, are not reading or are reading what's being said and, and that maybe they're taking it to heart too much. I mean, you even said to him, you know, are, are they paying too close attention? And he said, absolutely. I mean, that's the word that came out of his mouth. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's an interesting take to have from somebody in the locker room that, you know, this team maybe focuses on the external a little bit too much. Yep. And that could be, I mean, that could very well be the, the negative yeah, and I, I, in I mean, a lot th- of ways here. I think you look at it and guys take different kinds of things to be their motivation. You know, some players, I guess, are more intrinsically motivated to be great and successful in, in whatever endeavor they take on. And, and some look for extrinsic motivation. You know, if, if you're stuck in a rut and you're looking for that thing to really push you over the hump mentally, to really drive you, you know, I'm sure that, you know, going on the road, we always say going on the road and being able to silence the opposing crowd, this team historically has done a great job of that. You think of like Pittsburgh, especially. It always feels like the Flyers play better in Pittsburgh than they do at home. I think that that probably is a big part of this. And and like Dale said, 99% of the guys who tell you they don't check social media are lying. There's no doubt. I mean, I, I'm i not on the bus with them. I'm not on the plane with them. I know, based on my age and the age of a lot of these guys, that unless they are the anomalies in our age bracket, they're checking social media. Yeah. They're probably not just searching by their Twitter handle. They're probably looking for their last name. And you know what? If you have a good game... And, and you decide that you want to do that and you want to look for people who mentioned you on Twitter, like, more power to you. 
if you're looking for somebody to give a critical response or a critical take on, you know, a play that you made and, and you really wanted to look for it, like, by all means, do so. But I think, you know, that that really is something that can mess with a guy's head, especially somebody who might not be used to facing criticism. You know, I think that's the thing that kind of separates Weiss in a lot of ways from a lot of these younger guys. I don't think there was a point in Dale Weiss's career where he was told, you are the star you are going to be the second coming of Wayne Gretzky. You know? oh, in the Netherlands. And, That's yeah, the only time. Yeah, exactly. And so where he was, you know, the exotic import, yeah. you know. But, like, I don't think that's ever really happened. So I think for him, his expectations have been real, and he's faced adversity. He, he mentioned about fighting his way up to the NHL yeah. and about being told he can't stay at this level. So I think for him, like, it's not that he's more headstrong. It's not that he's more mentally capable of dealing with adversity, but I think... For him, he's coming from a different place than a guy like Nolan Patrick does, or even James Van Riemsdyk. You know, mm-hmm. second overall pick, had had a, a, a pretty solid start to his career. Went off to Toronto. The lights are much brighter in Toronto than they even are in Philly, all things considered. And and kind of rose above. And I, you know, I, I I look at these different situations and I think, you know, if everybody could be as headstrong and as good at facing it as adversity as well as maybe Dale can. I think you'd be looking at a team with a winning record. Yeah, a great point on that is, you know, he doesn't say it, but if you if you listen closely and go back, you guys can rewind. When when Russ is apologizing profusely for bringing up the Dutch Gretzky thing, which none of neither of us knew was was a derogatory yeah. like, or, or a sore spot for him, and and you know he told us don't worry about it, don't worry about it, and and Russ is like, no, I'm out, I'm out, and and, and Dale goes, believe me, I've heard worse this week. Mm. Mm. That was an absolute reference to the hot mic thing with um, Jim Jackson and and Keith, Keith Jones. Jones. Yeah. Absolutely. So I mean, yeah. I mean, the guy's got you know he's learned to you know just not you know to drown out whatever's out there. You know, you know he says you know you know he said earlier before we even got into the Dutch Gretzky stuff, he said earlier that you know you know, this guy tells you you suck or this guy tells you you suck. You know, you know this armchair general manager who's who wants to trade you to this place or whatever. He's like, you just gotta you know not pay attention to it. It's not you know it's not going to help you in any way, shape, or form. And I think that that's the message that he's sending to Nolan Patrick. And he says, he says, look, I'm not mentoring him like how to play on the ice. I mean, yeah. guy's number two overall pick. He's going to be a great player. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think he takes, takes you know, him under his wing because, A, Nolan's a Winnipeg kid and Dale's a Winnipeg kid, right? Um, and, you know, he sees some of the struggles that, that Nolan's going through off ice. Yeah. That, you know, as being a 19, 20-year-old, uh, who is living on their own for the first time and, you know, has some money to spend and, you know, doesn't have furniture or whatever, whatever the case might be. You know, the, the, the things that you, that you don't think about when you're looking talking about athletes and the things that they have to worry about. I mean, he, Nolan Patrick's Canadian. He's got to have a passport. Does he always have his passport? You know, you know that kind of thing. And, and he's not an which American he, which citizen. Which seems silly, but he's young. Again, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's not an American kid, like, citizen, so yeah. he's getting paid here. How does that translate? There's yeah. all kinds of different things that kind of, you know, how to... How to handle that stuff there's no one there's no mom and dad to kind of walk you through it i mean yeah you can call home and find out but i mean they're not here yeah and so dale kind of has become that kind of guy and he feels that there, you know that confidence is the thing that right now is missing yeah. and, and that's why you're not seeing uh a good version of his game yeah. at this point um and he even suggested that there are other players in the uh, young players in the locker room who are dealing with confidence issues so I, I think that that's real a real good insight by a player on the team as to where 
you know, why isn't this team being successful? Maybe that that's a lot of it is the the youth is not confident. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we could talk about the veteran players and they're not performing up to the standard that we're expecting of them. You know, the Wayne Simmons and the Jake Voracek's. You know, they're, they're not doing what they're what you expect them to do. JVR until the last couple of games. Um, but ultimately, what Dale Weiss is indicating here is that, yeah, you know what? It, it's that, but it's also the fact that we have good young players who don't have confidence, and confidence is the most important thing um, for a hockey team. No, I agree. Wayne Fish chiming in in the middle of the podcast. Sorry. The middle of the recording, oh, Wayne. That's right. Do you want to hop? <laughs> you want to hop on in? <laughs> you can hop on in if you'd like to. So, <laughs> so uh, no, I, I think maybe even the, the lack of confidence is part of also why we've seen some of the vets in post-game scrums after losses kind of allude to an issue with younger guys. Yeah. You know, I, I said earlier in the season in the locker room's fractured. There have been a lot of people who have said that it is a very close-knit group. I think there can be a combination of both. I think you can, you can care about your teammates and also be incredibly frustrated with them when something goes sideways when it feels like no matter how many times as a teammate or as a leader on the team, you coach these guys to not get in their own heads, mm-hmm. to, to do the little things, and then you see it continuously play itself out, you can be mad at your little brother but still love him. Right. right? And I think that is what we've seen a lot of. And so the people who have wanted Doeys off the team for going on, what, the third year now, I think you listen to the insight that he provided in this, and the intangibles that he brings to a locker room. Yeah. And at least from my perspective, you know, I, I've been impressed with him this season, but I, I kind of think that if you're the Flyers, he's got to be a guy that you have to look to keep in the locker room, especially knowing that there is the chance of a core shakeup at some point. You need to have people in this locker room who can help keep the younger guys together, and I think he's he's really a, a good spokesman for the team. Yeah, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And then, there was, and then there's some fun stuff with him, too. I mean, like, you know, just talking about partying in the bar in the uh, in, in the Netherlands, yeah. um, just outside of Amsterdam, uh, and uh, I, who knew that he's like this big true crime fan on on Netflix? And uh, I mean, just a just a genuinely good dude, you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, just really, there's a lot to like about Dale um, that you, that we just gleaned from this this interview. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I couldn't have been happier, Russ. To be honest with you, I thought it was a uh, um, it was. We knew it would be good, but it was even better than I think we anticipated it would be. I agree. So I hope everybody enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, we'll be back on Thursday with the uh, yeah, another we'll... another interview, which yeah. is the uh, the Mike McKenna interview. Which, you know, I think Dale gave us probably close to fifty fifty hockey and not hockey. Mike McKenna's interview. I I, it, I think we might have done twenty percent hockey. I it, think the yeah. rest of it is just the. The world through the eyes of a guy who's played on 21 different or in 21 different cities as part of 19 different organizations. And if you've ever wondered what it's like to be a guy to go between the NHL, AHL, be traded, uh, you know, sign one-year deals, and constantly be on the move, it is a an excellent interview. So yeah, he's you know, great. He's people great. need to come back and check. So and out. then also into Thursday, we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about this game against Minnesota tonight. Uh, you know, obviously it's um, uh, the Wild getting an opportunity to play against Chuck Fletcher for the first time. Um, yep. You know, as their you know he was their former GM who was let go last year. Now here with the Flyers, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how they come out. I think that the Wild are going to try and come out hard 
and play a hard game today uh, just for that purpose alone. Um, so we'll talk we'll talk a little bit about that as well, and then uh, maybe even uh, talk a little bit about the new power play. Um, looks oh like they're going to go five. If they actually go five, five forwards. Well, they go five. Some, I mean, pretty much everybody who listens to this will have already seen the Minnesota game. So I mean, we're yeah. speaking into the future. They're yeah. going to speak with, you know, knowing what happens. But if they go with a five forward, I love it. I don't even care. Yeah. I, you know, at this point, you have nothing to lose. Abs- what are you going to do? Give up I, a couple shorties? Like uh, whatever. You uh, probably it's possible anyway. I hear um, you. Before we move on, or before we uh, go for the the uh, end here, I wanted to go to an iTunes review that I think is very important that we read. It's a five star. But it's not just a normal five-star, Anthony. This was actually a, a three-star that was changed to a five-star. No way. It was. Uh, <laughs> it's by Not Me, who said this was much better. It's two guys BSing about what the Flyers need to do to improve podcast. And yes, I listen in spite of the criticism. So yeah, it's because we get. It's because I think he's the guy we criticized on the last episode, where we said that uh, he said that we don't talk. About he hockey. said we don't talk about hockey. And it was because you know we, we did the sheets and Wawa thing to start the episode. Yeah, and I blame it was you all for your that. fault. Yeah, it was and all so yeah. Uh, yeah, here we are. Anyway. Thanks again, as always, for listening. Um, make sure you check out the Press Row Show. If you're listening to this Tuesday, then obviously Wednesday you're going to want to check it out on uh, Anthony's Twitter feed, at Philly and Periscope. And, of course, the uh, ooh, have playout music. How playout about that? music. Look at that. Uh, thanks, thanks, Wells Fargo Center. And uh, hope we have the rights to this song. We probably don't. And, uh, and check it out on the Crossing Broad Facebook Live page. Uh, until then, thanks for listening. Oh, no, and, uh, and, and uh, subscribe. Oh, subscribe. Leave a five-star review on iTunes. If you don't have a device that has iTunes, take your friends, take your son, daughters, I don't care. Get an Apple device. Get some kind of device that has iTunes. Leave a five-star review. It helps us a lot in the rankings. And as we uh, begin to advertise the show, which I think we're going to be doing something with pretty soon, make sure you check that out. Also, uh, we had the announcement about the uh, live show. Yes. On, on February, February, 2nd. February 2nd, we will be at Xfinity Live doing a uh, Philadelphia Hockey podcast uh, in conjunction with uh, Jason Martinez's Stick to Hockey podcast, uh, Bill Meltzer's uh, um, podcast for Flyers Buzz. Flyers Buzz, yep. Um, And then uh, the Broad Street Hockey um, podcast. So uh, all those guys are going to be involved, and uh, we'll be there as well on February 2nd after the Flyers play the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, It'll be at 4.30 p.m. till 6 p.m. over at Xfinity Live. Uh, I know it's it's been a down season, but if the people want to come out and support, that'd be awesome. It'd be be awesome. Shake some hands. Yeah, come come out and meet meet us. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this with confidence. There will be a guest. I can't say who... I know who the primary target is, whether that individual will... If it comes to fruition, we shall see. We shall but see, right. It would very much be but, worth... But we do know, because we were talking yesterday with some people with the, within the organization, and, and there is a real belief that... Um, that, this person that somebody will yeah. at least somebody will be there from the organization so we will have at least a guest uh, as well on February the 2nd so definitely come out and, uh, and see that as well it's weird you mentioned I think three other shows I don't know how they're going to possibly get their show started from ground zero by the time February 2nd rolls around <laughs> you're, as, the, as you're the worst knows, we're the you're only the Flyers worst. podcast anyway thanks again for checking in and uh, come back on Thursday for our interview with uh, Mike McKenna with Mike McKenna thanks guys